Welcome to Workforce Inside, the podcast for business leaders looking for fresh insights and solutions to today's most pressing workforce challenges. I'm your host, Bushan Seti, Joint Global People and Organization Leader at PwC. In each episode, you'll receive new ideas from experienced practitioners who are helping employers drive workforce transformation. Now, many organizations recognize they simply can't go back to normal once the pandemic fully subsides, but few have really ironed out what exactly that means. To figure that out, HR leaders are taking charge of inventing a new vision for work in a post-pandemic world. In this episode of the podcast, we'll discuss how those HR leaders are leading that charge on reimagining work. Today, I am delighted to be joined by my partner and colleague, Diane Uden, who leads our HR transformation practice here at PwC. Welcome, Diane. Hey, thanks, Bushan. Happy to be here today. Wonderful. So, Diane, our first question of the podcast is our most fun. What is your default doodle? So I found that my default doodle changed when the pandemic hit. And I'm a very visual person. And so when I started to get on all these calls that were 30 minutes in length, the way I started to remember people is I would pick out a word from our conversation that it was the words a new word or something that I thought was really inspiring. And I write it down. And then I do a little bit of abstract expressionism around it. So it, it helps me remember each time I go through my diary for the day. Abstract expressionism. I love it. We'll be looking to see how HR leaders can demonstrate something similar going forward. We know that in our latest CHRO Pulse survey, almost half are driving and see the importance of inclusive leadership in their organizations. We're also seeing that 31% of them are actually looking to give employees paid time off so that they can spend time volunteering on things that are meaningful to them. HR leaders have demonstrated such resilience, have got a big role in the organization in terms of driving business, driving economic growth, protecting the business and protecting people. We've been talking about HR reimagining itself and its role in its business for a number of years together. How do you see this as a pivot moment for HR in terms of what have they done well and how do they leverage this opportunity going forward? It's actually a great time for HR in organizations today because they have a chance to really elevate their brand. And I know it's something you, Bouchon, and I have talked about for, for quite some time. So the first challenge, though, that I see is that they're trying to help an organization transform itself while they're transforming themselves. And so that's a tough place to be. But I think the ones that have really prioritized a couple of things are really starting to see the benefits of what they've done. So I bucket them in three areas. You know, The first is around technology. We've all become very technology-oriented, leveraging new tools and techniques in order to engage. And for the HR organization, investing in some of those key technologies that are around communication and careers, as well as just the core, you know, the data that they can now harvest is really a key element to being able to support a business going forward in the new paradigm. The second thing is around programs. And the interesting thing about programs is that we've learned that we can institute a new program in a very fast fashion. So let's look at benefits as an example. In the past, benefits would update what? Once a year, right? We'd go through the, the cycle and would make the elections. And we found that agility, flexibility, speed is all part and parcel of the way in which we're going to operate. And so going forward, the ability to add in new programs as an organization needs them is something that HR can deliver. So 
Those programs themselves, though, are changing. And so, for example, gym memberships and on-site daycare don't have quite as much punch as they used to have, right? But time for upskilling, time for volunteering is more important to organizations or the time that I can create with my family. In fact, a third of employees said that they would rather decrease their compensation to allow themselves a little bit more time in order to have around volunteering. So purpose really becomes important to them. And then finally, it's that visibility that is important for HR. And one of the things I've noticed a lot, especially externally in the social media, is that you're seeing more HR leaders helping to take a corporation's perspective on social injustice or around diversity and inclusion. So I think those three things have been really key as HR rebrands itself. Great points, Diane. So I love the points around the the agility of the programs, the need for the data, and the active voice that HR leaders and frankly, business leaders on HR issues are having now in the pandemic. Because let's face it, it's all about people issues health, safety, well-being, the importance of investing in reskilling. And it's also about that very emotionally charged topic of how do we return to work? And we know that 78% of the US workforce are working from a work site and not working from home. But we also have a huge population that are looking and are fearful about returning to a physical office. We have a lot of research around hybrid workplaces. Two to three days is the preferred amount of days that people are saying right now from our surveys and lots of others. But there's a massive role that HR leaders have in 2021 and next year when they think about their future of work around that hybrid workplace. What are you advising HR leaders today and what roles are you seeing them play around this this hybrid work concept? So a key element that we're seeing HR leaders pay attention to is the fact that there is differences, right? How can I give you something that is really important to you, but hey, Bushan, what might be important to you might be very different than for me. So there's some some flexibility in being able to create that personal experience. I think the the whole employee engagement that you talked about, I had one CHRO talk to me about hugging the employees virtually was very important to them. But what that meant was that HR needed to focus on helping managers learn to be better managers. So beyond the technology, right, is how do you create a collaboration and a culture when people are dispersed? And they will be some level of dispersion going forward. So they're focusing on building some of those softer skills to help managers do a better job and keep connected. Safety continues to be an important element as well, making sure that the workers who do come back, that they can give the comfort to them that it's a safe working environment and providing the right protocols in order to operate. And then finally, I think technology does play a role in this. Think about, for example, recruiting people today. So maybe months from now, we may have an opportunity to actually meet somebody in person to do an interview. But the technology today is really starting to help us being able to do some pre-screening or pre-interviewing, video conferencing, or even videos that you can go through a number of potential candidates for your organization. And the experience those candidates want is very different. So I think from talent acquisition to performance management, all of this is going to be changing and HR is focused on doing that to make sure that it aligns with where the organization needs to go. So what I'm hearing is technology in this inclusive hybrid workplace, whether it's around inclusive recruitment, bringing different tools on performance feedback so that people can feel that human connection. 
so important right now. Diane, over the years we've been working, there have been significant investments in HR technology and the promise of using data effectively. Just curious how you're seeing that topic. You know, so interestingly enough, while we've made investments in technologies, organizations have made probably some significant investments in technologies, they're still finding that there's a gap. Through our PwC technology study, we found that 39% of organizations say that they actually can get the data insight that they want, even though they've made investments in these technologies. So does HR have the capability yet to draw out that data and show what the insight needs to be? You also see that organizations find that while executives say that they're very happy with the investments made, employees and managers are not quite as happy with the investments made in technology today. In fact, managers are two times as likely to say that they're not able to get done what they need to, whereas executives feel like, wow, it's, it's working. So I think this elevates a couple of things. First of all, technology, your investment in technology, it's a continued journey, right? You've got to invest in it, but you got to keep it fresh and updated. Be looking for the things that are going to add to the complement. So things like nudging is starting to become more prevalent. So nudging you to take action, creating that experience for you, creating that journey is a key element, as well as employee listening. It's not just doing a pulse survey anymore. It's how can I listen to my employees and take action around what I'm hearing and quite frankly, putting that in demographic groups that I can really respond to in a new way. So 36% of CEOs say that a digital transformation is key to driving productivity and innovation. And I think HR, if they can keep making these investments and look at it through the employee lens, they're going to end up with a really great answer for the company. So it's taking that data, Diane, from just descriptive or even sometimes predictive analytics or just reporting on the human capital aspects to saying, how do we drive real behavioral change? Like your example around nudges to actually drive people to execute a workflow or change a behavior around how they're leading in an inclusive way. I'd now like to talk about 2022. When we think about the future of work and different business models and different industries are going to recover at different speeds, what are the priorities that HR should be thinking about in 2022? So I think that there's a little bit of the continuation. As I talked about, it's a journey for them. So we mentioned data and only 39% are getting the insight that they need from it. So that means that there's a, a big opportunity there. So do they need to build capabilities in that space? You know, there's a potential there. We see more organizations as they mature thinking about things like workforce planning that you know, they'd probably done in more of a, I call it the crawl, walk, run mode, and they were probably crawling. And then I think a key one that it's near and dear to our heart here at PwC is the whole conversation around building skills. And for me, though, it's not just about building the skills, but creating the career path for an individual. Because once they've built it, what do they do with it? And how does it progress them in the organization? And how does that change performance management? So I think that organizations, as they start to get some of these basics foundations completed, they have a great opportunity to really think about driving more value into the business by things like career paths. Is that what you see with your clients? Yeah. I also think that to your point on value, there's a much bigger role that HR can continue to play on establishing trusts. So think about what all of the business community are now talking about, environmental, sustainable goals, how do we live our purpose? A lot of HR professionals are well prepared to drive that. ESG disclosures, 
taking the lead on upskilling, even if it's upskilling people that eventually may transition out of your organization? How do we make sure kind of our workers are safe, whether that's physically safe or psychologically safe? So it's really interesting. You and I started and HR has been told to be a much more strategic, analytical business partner. But now the human side and the empathy we're now allowed to talk about in the workplace, they're so important. And HR professionals, that that's in their DNA. So I think the combination of these things mean HR as a profession is alive and well. And more importantly, every business leader needs to have their dosage of the HR profession and the HR sets of skills. What are your thoughts on that? Well, so I agree with you. I think though for HR that everything you said I think HR gets, but I'm not sure that the business gets it. And so I think HR needs to spend more time selling the opportunity to the business because you've got to educate them, create the push and the pull, right? That's going on between that so that there is a desire by the business to pull HR more into those conversations. It's not going to be that the business is going to give HR more headcount potentially to do this, right? So it's doing more with the same. So they're going to have to also get sharper on how to build the business case in order to continue to support these things that are really important to the business. And as they're thinking about what the future looks like, seeing them take more of a proactive stance around how to build the business case, as well as show the value that they're delivering so that they can continue down their track. Great point. And our survey data has also realized that typically over the last 12 months, there's been a disconnect between business and employees. Business leaders want to return back to the office more quickly. Business leaders feel the investments they've made in mental health are landing better than the employees do. What was reassuring in this latest data set from HR leaders is HR leaders are open to their staff working from anywhere. We saw that stat and we saw that there was a demand that almost a third of people are either looking or have relocated on a temporary or permanent basis. HR also knows that Organized people want to work for an organization that has purpose and workers want to start volunteering and investing their time. So these are new areas, but the HR being a good voice for the employee and a student of the business is, I think, well positioned from some of the data that feels less disconnected than previous months when we've been doing these surveys. So, Diane, we've talked about the here and now. We've talked about the priorities that HR can demonstrate both this year and for next year. What are maybe the the headlines that you would ask business leaders and HR leaders listening in to take away from this in terms of a set of actions? So obviously, we've shown that people understand our people are important to us. Employees are important. So we need to spend the time and effort in their development. So from my perspective, as I think about HR going forward, it is a continued investment. And I almost look at it as an omni-channel HR because of the fact that our businesses are changing and where people are working and how they engage. We may need to make sure that HR is equipped to text or chat or meet in person, meeting the employees where they are in the future. So business leaders know that there's a great opportunity for HR to be a true partner for you here, but it is going to take continued work and investment to get there. Fantastic. I really heard the agility of HR coming through, whether it's your omni-channel concept, how we use data in different ways, how HR can take a bigger role inside and outside of the organization. So thanks, Diane, for taking the time to speak with us today. It's been a great discussion and some really practical insights and actions. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to this episode of Workforce Insight. Please visit our website for more insights into how to tackle your organization's workforce challenges And please subscribe to this podcast.
This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.